Hey everybody, welcome to the Museum Podcast. This is episode number 27. I'm Michael Howard, the founder and CEO of Musea. This episode, I had the pleasure of talking with Todd Reichman. Uh, he runs the blog amandafish.com, um, and he writes there, and he has a podcast um, where he has a lot of uh, photographer guests on, and uh, it's all mostly just business-focused. Um, he's also a working photographer. Him and his wife have a successful uh, studio that uh, they've been running for uh, a little about, I guess, about seven years now. Um, but before I get in um, to the podcast with uh, Todd and I, uh, got a couple updates for you on the Musea Gathering, obviously. Um, this week, we're giving away a scholarship to Kirk Mastin's workshop, and so we're doing a contest where um, you actually need to make a video no longer than 30 seconds, and um, basically send us a tweet and uh, with the video, and basically you, we just need you to explain uh, why you want to go to the Musea Gathering. Um, and so the deadline is um, Friday at 5 p.m. Um, of this week. So uh, if you want some more details, just go to the Musea blog at blog.mymusea.com, and you can read about it there. So um, send us some links and stuff. So I'd love to uh, see what you guys are doing and why you want to go to the Gathering, and whoever has you know, kind of the most creative and is the most authentic in their video is um, who we're going to pick. Uh, also, with the gathering, um, we really just need people to continue to spread the word. Um, we are at the 30-day mark now, so the next month is going to go crazy fast, and um, word is continuing to grow and to spread, and, you know, people are hearing about it, uh, but not everybody that hears about it is going to participate or going to support it. And so we need to reach as many people as possible. So we just continue you know, to ask that you, you know, write a blog post about it, to talk about it on Twitter, to talk to your Facebook groups or Facebook or, you know, photography forums. Anything you can do to get the word out uh, will help us reach our goal. Um, so just keep in mind that the gathering is not set to happen. Um, it's only going to happen if we get funded. So if we don't hit our goal, then we, we cancel it. So if you want to see this happen or if you've already bought a ticket and, and are supporting this financially and you, you want to go, obviously, then we need you talking this thing up as much as possible. Um, one of the big things that we need people talking about, especially is overseas, is the web attendance perk that we launched last week. Um, that is going to be a huge, huge thing in helping us reach our goal. Um, and so we need as many people, you know, in Europe and Australia and Canada and wherever, um, watching online, you know, cause I know chance of getting a lot of people from, you know, out of the United States to coming to this is going to be pretty slim. Hopefully some people can make it, but for a lot of people, it's going to be difficult just cause the travel expenses. So we really need to get the word out in those countries and just outside the U.S. about the online uh, option. And so, you know, if we can get 500 people or something, that would be amazing. Um, so chat it up. Really uh, talk about that perk, especially to people that uh, you're friends with um, outside the country. Um, also, we really are asking people um, to go ahead and buy now. If, if you know what you're going to get, um, don't wait. We need to see the the funding continue to come in and to continue to push momentum forward. Um, I have a feeling that a lot a lot of people are going to buy the last week. You know, they're trying to. You know, I understand a lot of people are saving up, 
um, until the very last second to, to get a ticket. But the problem with that is is if everybody does that and um, you know you buy your ticket the, like the last week, then there's a good chance that you know we might only raise sixty thousand or something, and then if that happens, then we have to cancel the whole thing. Um, and so I understand if you're waiting financially, if if you don't have to wait financially, just go ahead and get it. Um, and so we can just see the, where the commitment level is with people, and we can just keep marching forward. So the higher that number gets, the more people are going to consider going. Um, where if everybody's waiting to the last week. Then um, and you're like you buy your ticket and then you're like oh right we need to make this happen let's all talk about it on Twitter or whatever and we only have two days to get everybody interested then there's a good chance it's going to fail so we need people talking about it now we need people buying now um, if you know what you're going to get if you know what you're, if you know if you're in Australia and you can't afford to come over here and you want to get the web attendance perk get the web perk now you know reason to wait just get it. Um, so I know people like to wait and procrastinate and all that stuff, but we really need action um, now. So please help us out and do that when you get a chance. Um, that's it. So on to the podcast with Todd and I. Um, Todd is a guy I met through kind of mutual friends a little over a year ago, um, and I've been following his blog for a long time. I respect this guy so much for everything that he puts out um, in the industry. Some stuff he talks about is a little more controversial than others. Um, but he's a fresh thinker. He's willing to kind of challenge the status quo um, and to say maybe we need to do things different in an industry. Um, business has changed, and what worked maybe five, ten years ago doesn't work now. So we have some assumptions that we all kind of you know base our business around, and maybe we need to take a second look at those assumptions. And so I love that he's brave enough to do that. Sometimes he catches some flack for it, but I think it's much needed. Uh, and that's why I asked him to be a part of the gathering. That's why he has a workshop at the gathering. And so if you're a photographer and you really need some help business-wise, really securing your financial situation, and really understanding where your value is to what why people would want to work with you and why people would want to hire you, he is going to help you understand what your value is and give you a ton of actionable um, things that you can do to improve your business. Um, photography is great. Being a great photographer is awesome. But just being able to make great images is not going to run a profitable business. So if you want to actually make money, then um, his workshop is the number one probably business workshop at the gathering that I would recommend. Um, he is going to go through financial stuff and a fine-toothed comb. It's three days, um, and it's going to be uh, tough for people. But it, um, when you come out of it, you're going to be so thankful that you went through it because your business is going to be so much better and so much stronger, and you have a clear vision of where you need to head. Um, so some of the things that we talk about in this podcast are um, some of the key mistakes that photographers are making in their business right now. Um, we talk about the ladder of hierarchy that is in the photo industry, and we, he just really talks about how much that is just junk and crap. And we also talk about where you need to focus on creating value for your clients. Um, I do want to say real quick that when we did this recording, we had a little bit of problem with internet connection, so there are some parts of it that are a little choppy. We did our best to try to make it smooth, um, but there are some parts. So just bear with it as it kind of um, cracks a couple, you know, a little bit here and there. Um, but I think it's listenable. I've went through and edited it and made it as clean as I can. Um, but I wanted to go ahead and get this podcast out there um, so that you can understand where Todd is coming from. 
Uh, he's busy this week, and I'm busy, and you know, we only have a limited time to get this podcast out before our crowdfunding campaign ends, so that's why I'm not waiting two or three weeks to record another one, and that might be a little more smoother. So this is uh, it's definitely listenable, but I just wanted to give you everybody a heads up on that, so just bear with it. Yeah, as always, thank you so, so, so much for listening um, and for spreading the word about the campaign and the gathering, and I hope we can all make this happen and we can improve our industry for the better. So thanks so much. Todd, what's up, man? Welcome to the podcast. How you doing? Doing well, Michael. How you doing? Good. Uh, so what have you been up to lately? It's been a while since we've talked. <laughs> uh, uh, pretended to work, acting like I'm, you know, advancing my business. Right. As you, yeah. <laughs> Tried working, you know, in the trenches like everybody else who's a photographer, trying to make a living at it. Yeah. I hear you. Well, it's good. I'm glad that we are uh, finally get to reconnect. It's been... Uh, when I was on your podcast in February or something, number yeah. number two ever for you. I, think, yeah, I was on yours how, a couple months before that, I think. Yeah, One we, of the did, first, we like, did like a video actually. It was like before podcast. It was like when I was doing those video deals. <laughs> yeah. Which uh, I'm glad I don't do that anymore so I don't have to stare at myself and look I, awkward. My, my giant head. Right. <laughs> um, well. You've been up to, Michael. Huh? What have you been up to? What I've been up to. You got any projects in the works? Everything. I don't know. This can't crowdfunding campaign that I'm yeah. trying to push up a big hill and <laughs> trying yeah, not to go crazy. About that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're involved. Museum Gathering. Kind of the uh, new type of event in the industry. Trying to uh, stir some stuff up and get back to uh, kind of some core beliefs I have about photography and get away from some of the uh, gear products and magic bullets and rock star stuff and get into just creativity and ideas and, uh, you know, talking about business in our current culture and how we should move forward with that and um, kind of do away with some of the stuff that has been in the wedding industry for the past 10 years. So I'm excited that you're involved with it. Uh, I think you have a really good opinion on things currently, even though maybe not everybody agrees with you all the time probably true yeah but yeah i mean i think that um you know one of the positive one of the things that uh, i love about the industry is like one of the things i hate about it is that we there's sort of a lot of sharing that goes on um i think one of the difficult things about the industry right now is that like who gets picked to share things and the people who are largely in charge of that are people who run magazines or are people who sell gear and so they sort of look to this the sort of like celebrity aspect of things like, well, who looks cool or who looks successful or who looks whatever, get up and tell us what you do. And and uh, what I like about what you're doing is there's sort of this push to say, okay, well, rather than just look at who looks cool or who looks, you know, like a celebrity within our industry who looks successful, let's try to look at some people who maybe are producing really interesting work and that seems to be what's pushing their level of success or, or people who are um, – you know, letting their craft or their philosophy or their ideals, something that's a little bit more meaningful than the sort of the coolness that meeting is driving their business. And maybe let's hear kind of what they have to say. So I think it's a cool sort of different approach on how to structure an educational event in our industry. And I think everybody who anybody who likes that impulse or who wants to things to be a little bit more meaningful, a little bit less celebrity culture um, ought to be finding a way to support the museum gathering. And there are a ton of ways to, uh, to get involved. Yes. 
Even if you're in Australia, you can watch online for $100. Um, so I think that's a pretty sweet deal. Um, but yeah, I want to talk, or have you talk about, um, maybe, you know, a little bit why you got involved, obviously, and then what you're going to be teaching at the gathering. Because uh, I know that your workshop there is actually a little different than some of the ones you have currently going on. So I'd like to know yeah. what's the difference. Sort of for me, like the business side of things is very creative. And, and my goal is to understand – I'm a very positive fact kind of guy. I want to understand what things work. And um, I think when we're talking about creative things or talking about artistic things, there's always an impulse to say like, oh, it's like magic or we don't know why something works. And my opinion is that you can always figure out why something works. So just like you can figure out what makes a composition great or what makes an image have impact, you can figure out what makes a client want to hire you to do what you do for them or what makes a person want to refer you to their friends. So what we're going to be doing at the gathering take um it's going to be a three-day break the first day we're going to talk about business and like you know instead of wondering what it takes to make a profitable business we're going to deconstruct like okay what does it look like on paper on a numbers basis how does it work how does it support your life like what is it really what has to happen for that business to operate so we're going to do day one on business and then day two is going to be all about branding and for me branding is less about visual identity and more about um, sort of the answer to the question why should a client hire me and really getting to the nuts and bolts of an emotional decision about, you know, what what would a person need to see of what experience would they need to have with my business to say, like, that's what I identify with or that's what I want for myself and how you can deconstruct and sort of build that um, and put it out into the world. And then the third day is going to be all about networking and all about, you know, how do you get another person to want to work with you? How do you get a client to want to refer you to their friends? A lot of people think it's all about just doing good work and providing good customer service. And in the research I've done, I don't think that's the majority of it. I think sometimes that matters, but it's not necessarily what motivates a specific, you know, referral from, uh, you know, another business person to another business person or a business person to a client or even from a client to a client. So there's a whole psychology of uh, leveraging what they of referrals or what makes people make buying decisions that I want other photographers to know about so they can understand what is it that I can do for people or what is it that my photography can do for them and then how do I leverage that to actually get them to hire. Um, I think the gathering is great because a lot of people are going to talk about the job, what can you create for people, which I think is great. I'm certain about how to do the job first, you know, how you get it done. And then, and then, you know, all these other people have a lot to say about what are you going to do once you get the job. I totally agree with everything you're talking about there. And I think that's a big, big need um, in the industry. And I think you know a lot of photographers they love to talk about obviously photography and gear and creativity and all that stuff. But um, if you're going to do this as a business, you need to understand the business side just as much, or probably even more than the photography side. And so I'm really, you know, excited for you being there because I feel like you know you kind of get the current business culture of our industry and just, you know, America, I guess, in a way now um, and how it's maybe shifted a little bit or maybe some of the things that have hold true through the past, how they're still kind of relevant. Um, and so some people, you know, it may not be this, the thing that really gets them going, but if they're really going to make this a business and be sustainable for the long term and not burn out in five years, this is like a must thing that they need to know. If you view your sort of taking pictures as the creative part and the business side as the uncreative, boring part, then you're approaching it. You could be approaching it in a better way. I'm going to try to be positive. I'm trying to not say that people are wrong. Right. Uh, I totally think they're wrong. 
Uh, because the business side is great because you can be as creative on the business side. And the more creative you are on a business and branding level, the easier your business is going to run. The less conventional you are and the more purposeful you run your business, the easier it's going to be to book the clients that like what you do. The easier it's going to be to make money. And, and I, a lot of times creative people don't like to hear this, but if you're making good money and you're less worried about getting the bills paid, you're going to become a better, more creative photographer because you have less things to worry about and you have a stronger brand to have to live up to. So it's been my it's my opinion and it's also been my experience that when my business was running well was when I was creating the best photography, when I was doing the best behind the camera was when my business was running the best because I just had less to worry about and I was more focused and I was pushing my business harder so I had to produce the work that you know sort of met that level. And so one of the things that I want people to understand is that the business side can be as creative as the photography side. And the more creative and the more effectively your business runs, the better your photography is going to get. And I, and I absolutely believe that that's true. Yes. Which, you know, I've been shooting for 10 years and I'm probably, a, I've been a typical creative person in a way where I, I tend to, I go in spurts of like, oh, I love the creative side of, the, of doing business and the other side that I really loathe doing it. Um, but I'm definitely finding lately, even with starting like Musea and things that you can be, I can be, how would I say the creativity side of the business can satisfy my creative needs just as much as photographing sometimes. Does that make sense? Um, and so <clears throat> I think if you're going to be successful in this business, I think you need to have a level of that or you just need to be a photographer and just forget the business side and not try to run a business you know that's totally legitimate you know every photographer doesn't necessarily have to be a business owner yeah. that doesn't you know always that one does not necessitate the other yeah which some people feel like that i love photography so i need to make money at it when you don't need to do that um, there's some people who want to run businesses who can generate more work than they could shoot and they need people to shoot for them who don't necessarily want to run their own business. So there's a, there's always the great, you know, partnerships or kind of associate work that you can do. There's a, there's value. If you have value to provide, there's always somebody who can help make value further. Yes. Well, I would love to hear a little bit more about, um, at least you, you know, telling your history a little bit. Sure. Um, for the people that haven't you know, necessarily discovered, you know, your blog or your podcast or, you know, what you and your wife do with the workshops. I would love to give a little bit of background so people kind of understand your your context and where you're coming from, your experience level. So hit us hit us with that. Sure. Uh, my wife and I have been photographing for about seven seven and a half years. Um, we started kind of in the first, you know, in the last big photography boom, which was a great time to uh, be a photographer when the economy was high and photography was really cool and people were throwing money at us hand over fist and you didn't have to be that good at everything to make a living. And, and it was a great time. We, we used to shoot, you know, babies, seniors, families, portrait. I mean, everything under the sun that a portrait wedding photographer could do. And we just found that it was, um, you know, it wasn't necessarily hard to figure out how to shoot. It wasn't necessarily hard to get some clients, but it was kind of difficult to make it all work together in a business. So we really, you know, at the beginning of it, we really started aggressively learning how to run a business at the same time we were learning how to shoot and how to manage clients and just all that kind of stuff. And for us, you know, running the business side of things has just always been part of it. You know, we've always been focused on like the business side has to work, you know, just taking pictures isn't going to make us happy. Like taking pictures and having that generate the, a livelihood, that's that it's all got to come together. So we've been doing that for a while. Um, 
rode the good times to making, you know, money fairly easily in photography. And then once the recession hit, we kind of realized that, okay, now we got to shore up everything that we're not perfect at. We've got to get a lot better at. So, you know, customer service, we have to figure out how do we get better or how do we, if we don't want to get better, how can we remove the things that we don't want to get better at? So they're not a problem for us. And, you know, it was everything. It was workflow. And, you know, we're still learning a lot of this stuff. We're still trying to figure out how can I, what's the right customer service for me to be doing and how do I do it well? What's the right workflow to do and how do I do it well? You know, I think that the industry kind of teaches us, oh, we have to do all of these things really well. And the fact of the matter is there's only, there's only so many hours in every day and you can't work every minute of every day. So you have to sort of start picking and choosing about what you're going to do well and what you're not going to do or what you're going to let fall by the wayside or what you're going to cut out of your business. So, you know, along the way we used to do everything and then we cut down to doing just weddings and then we've, you know, moved even further. We moved uh, about a year and a half ago. We moved out of the Midwest and we moved to Atlanta, Georgia. And so now we're rebuilding our business. And it's almost a I wouldn't say it's a new business, but it's we're sort of building around a bunch of stuff that we weren't doing before and just kind of focusing on a very specific type of wedding and and, uh, trying to kind of rebuild that in a new area and really changing from a more you know, our old system was built mostly on client-to-client referrals, and our new business is built almost entirely on vendor re- referrals as opposed to client-to-client. So mm-hmm. um, kind of done a little bit of everything over the last seven, seven and a half years, you know, from every kind of portrait, every kind of wedding, uh, every price point. I mean, I've shot very low price point stuff. I've shot very high price point stuff. And we've just learned a lot about not only what works, but why things work. You know, it's it's been really important to us from day one to figure out you know, because I took a lot of, I mean, I've gotten a lot of advice. I've done a lot of, you know, taken a lot of workshops or just gone to a lot of seminars, just trying to learn, like, okay, how does this work? And a lot of times I would take a piece of advice that sounded like a good piece of advice that other people were using, and I would try to implement it, it would work. And so there's sort of an impulse to say, like, okay, is that person a liar or am I an idiot? And the truth was, well, neither of those was the case. It was just I needed to understand everything about what made that piece of advice work. So what we've done is really tried to figure out what makes things work, what are all the pieces that have to be in place, and instead of just taking advice off the shelf and trying to plug it into our it's really trying to build new advice from the ground up. Like, okay, here's what I have with, here's what I want to happen, what, what makes sense to, to get, how do we build, you know, sort of take the foundation and take the goal and try to develop like a purposeful path to get there as opposed to just trying to look for advice from other people off the shelf. And that's kind of been the last seven years of just trying to sort of not necessarily reinvent the wheel, you know, photograph photography business-wise, but just try to understand what works and why it works and how do we implement it to make it work for us. One of the other things I wanted to get in or just get your thoughts on were, you know, you're one of the guys in the industry that uh, you're not afraid to kind of voice your opinions and uh, throw some stuff out there, kind of stir some stuff up occasionally, I guess. Which I think is a good or thing. Or better, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a good thing. But I wanted to give or get your opinion on a little bit of like why you think some photographers might struggle a little bit with some of your opinions. Um, and I think it's good to not always talk about stuff that you think people are going to agree with. You know, it's good to kind of challenge some things. So um, yeah. why do you think that is for you? I think I'm kind of mouthy and blunt, which I accept as a doesn't always float with people. But I think, um, I think you know – the best advice I've ever been given was the stuff that wasn't really sugarcoated. Like, mm. I think it, I think it sinks in more when every once in a while someone pulls you aside and, and is like, um, "That sucks, what you're doing," 
or that's weak, or <laughs> you could be doing a lot better than you, you know, and it, so I think that um, one of the things that I've always said to people, you know, especially when they come to my workshop is that I'm hostile, I'm hostily supportive or supportively hostile. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't necessarily want to dwell on, like, if something's, I'm kind of a big believer in ruthlessly rooting out your problems and just fixing them fast. Like, I feel like if I got anywhere in this business, it's because if we, if we saw a problem, we, we went after it immediately and tried to just fix it. And, and whenever we've had sort of extended periods of like, God, I'm just not happy with where my business is going, I could usually look back and say, you know, there's a bunch of things that I wasn't happy with. And instead of doing something about it, I just kind of sat around or I complained or I didn't really go after it. So I feel like, you know, if you see a problem, you got to go after it. Um, I think the other part of that is just I there's a lot of advice that sort of exists out of the industry that I think is just really bad advice. I think a lot of times little things get thrown out there as sort of like these like platitudes of like, oh, obviously everyone should agree with this. And I don't think a lot of times people put thought into questioning them. And I think sometimes it's like that's just crappy advice. Like, you know, have you thought about why we don't work from shot lists? Have you thought about why? We should, you know, just be artists and only do what we want to do and, and, and throw away a red flag client, quote unquote. Like, why are there red flag clients? Is that a, is that the way we should be looking at people? It, I just think there's a lot of um, sort of little things that exist out there that everyone takes for granted is true that in my experience running a business and in mentoring a lot of studios to improve, a lot of those generally accepted things aren't true. And the fact that we all just sort of do them kind of makes our business is all very similar and not very client focused. And for me, as a photographer who relies on clients paying me, um, I I feel like it's a two way street. Like when there's another party involved, I want them to leave happy and I want to be happy. So I care a lot about what that client thinks and how their mind works. And I want I want other photographers who want to work with and get money and get paid from clients to really sort of realign their thinking to, to not just say like. Hey, you know, we as photographers all agree that this is true. It's like, well, it doesn't matter at all what we all agree on. It matters about this whole other world of people that we're trying to get to work with. That's who we really should care about. So maybe our accepted truths should come from them instead of coming from us. Mm. And again, a lot of times people don't like thinking like that. And, and, uh, you know, sometimes some of the things they say may go further than people are comfortable with, which is totally fine. But I think that, you know, we really need to think less about what we all agree on and more about how all the stuff that we do impacts all the people who don't think like us. Yeah. What do you think is like the number one mistake uh, that you see photographers making right now? Um, in my opinion, in my incredibly mouthy opinion, I think photographers <laughs> care way too much about each other. And I say that telling you that all of my close friends are photographers in this world, and, I, and I'm grateful for them every day. Uh, I love them all, but if another photographer doesn't like my work, I do not care. Like it's not – I don't shoot for photographers. I shoot for clients and that's – and they're the people that I have to care more about. And I don't care about producing work that impresses my photographer friends and I don't shoot a shot thinking, oh, I'm going to post it on this forum and see what everyone thinks. Now, I'm not opposed to working with other photographers and, and people having great relationships and using those relationships to sort of further their work. I think it's great, but I think – when you're when what you think is great and what you think your business should do is is solely influenced by photographers unless you're making the majority of your money from photographers you're probably not aligning your business to where it needs to go to make a living anyway yes. i think i think you're more of a hobbyist than a professional and mm -hmm. that's a, people get pissed when you say stuff like that but i think professionally speaking like sometimes part of being a professional is not always get, ha, getting to do exactly what you want part of being professional is, is you know 
collaborating with the person that's hiring you and giving them something that they want in the way that you think is best or putting your spin on it rather than just only getting to do what you want. I think only doing you want is only doing what you want is sort of more of an amateur thing. I mean, the word, the root of the word amateur, like AMA is like Amore, like doing it for the love of, if you're just doing it for the love of then you can be an amateur. But if you're doing it for money with other people, you have to be very considerate about who that person is and why they're hiring you, what they, what you can do for them. So just being focused on the photography industry and what we all think is really, I think, the biggest mistake that uh, that photographers can make right now. Mm. Um, so yeah, that as a group of photographers, <laughs> they're coming to conventions. I think it's an issue of you know, we can help each other figure out like what it, what can I really do for clients? You know, what is my benefit to a client? You know, what can I do for them? And really start thinking about how can we. You know, as experts, what can I do for them? Not just expect the client to give me the answer, but understand like what could a client possibly need photography for and figure out all the ways that I can execute on that in a way that I believe in, as opposed to just thinking about what do my photographer friends think is cool. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's, yeah, I mean, you're definitely more saying that like we shouldn't just excommunicate all of our photographer friends and never talk to them again. It's just more that we need to be careful of the conversations we're having and maybe we need to change our conversations a little bit and not be sure. quite so selfish, I guess, in a way, in some, some aspects. That's very, not to say that you can't be selfish and be successful, but I think it's a very specific business model that needs to be communicated in a very particular way. I mm -hmm. think, you know, um, I think we should be getting together and helping each other be more valuable and, and express our underlying true client value better as opposed to hating. This shot is cool. Do you think this shot would win an award? Do you want to recognize me amongst all our photographers? Like that's really, it's cool, but ultimately it's a very insular part of our business. It's not the part of our business that makes the business go. Yeah. You know? So that's where I'm. I'm not saying it's bad, but I think if you want your business to run run really well, you really need to become client more client focused, and photographer focused. And if being photographer focused is what you do for fun, that's totally cool. But if that's the sort of your focus of your business is winning awards or getting your friends to tell you how cool your images are, you're probably you're probably going to end up frustrated with how your business operates because yeah. they're audiences to please. And uh, I, I found out very early on, like I can please both. Like I can't shoot work that photographers think is cool and please the clients in the best way that I'm able to. The two things don't add up for me. Um, which isn't to say that they don't add up for everybody, but I think that if you want them to be the same thing, you have to be very conscious of how you've structured your business and how you've communicated that value so you get the right people coming in the door. You know, and anything is possible, but once you decide on the purpose and the goal of the audience, then there's a path that take that you can take to get there. And I'm way more concerned with people understanding that goal, that purpose, and that audience, and then building the right path than just sort of what we all do now hey, what do you do? That's cool. That person looks successful. I'm going to shoot that. This magazine thinks this is cool. Let's do that. It's like all that doesn't necessarily get you to where you want to go. Yeah. A bit of a question off the cuff is when I look out of the photography landscape now, especially over the past, even like in the past three years, I think there's been a bit of a, a shift. Um, and maybe it's like a bit of this recession or clawing our way out of a recession and people's consumers mindsets have changed or something because of this a lot of photographers i think they tend to blame the lack of their business on you know competition not being able to be seen um 
and just people don't have money. Do you buy those three things or do you think it's just we're as photographers, we're not doing a good job running our business in the current culture that we have? All of those things are true. Um, I think us not running our businesses is the biggest truth. Mm -hmm. um, I, I would say this, like, yeah, there's a lot for competition. Like that's, there's just no way around that. Um, so that doesn't mean that you can't make it. What it means is that there is an ever increasing sea of choices. Um, so it, it can an impact how you operate. Like when there's more choices, um, you have to get more specific and you have to possibly, you know, the theory, everybody says like when there's more choices, the cost go down. I don't necessarily agree with the supply and demand economics for luxury products like what we sell. So, what I think becomes true is that potentially your market share goes down. Like the amount of overall clients that you work with may go down because there's so many more of us. Like it's kind of funny. Like my wife and I were talking about like everybody that we know has like 10 weddings booked. You know what I mean? It's like we all, so if we all used to have 20 and now we all have 10 right now. It's like, okay, well maybe that means that we need to focus on making a little bit more money and being more specific. And maybe we're all going to end up booking 15 to 20 instead of 20 to 30. Maybe that just means we have to pivot and adjust our business as opposed to saying it's all wrong. Like I do think that it's going to impact our market share, but it doesn't mean that we're all sunk. It just means that now we have to start getting more specific. So it used to be, you could just take nice pictures and that was enough. Not a lot of Take nice pictures. Now the bar has to go. Now your business has to be more meaningful. Now there has to be a specific reason who you're perfect for. You know, um, the the old model of marketing used to be, you know, um, features and benefits. Like explain your, you know, dictate your features and explain the benefits to the client. I don't think that works anymore. I think that what you have to become is the perfect solution to a given problem, and then what you market is the problem. You know, I am the person to handle a wedding like this. I am solution for a client like this and then marketing that, so that problem so that that problem can find you and I, that's where photographers have sort of sort of gone wrong and they're just focusing on making pretty pictures and getting them seen it's like people see pretty pictures all the time even if they see yours and they think it's the prettiest do they remember that it's you and are they compelled to get that from you or are they compelled to want a picture like that you know yeah. i think that real like disconnect photographers. like oh if they see my picture and they see my stupid watermark on that picture in somebody's book, they're going to want me. And it's like, well, no, you just taught them to want that picture. That You haven't necessarily taught them to want it from you. So I think I think ultimately it's going to come down to all of those things, like you said, the economy, the lack of money, the increased competition, not being seen. All that exacerbates the main problem, which is we're not doing a good enough job explaining why should you hire me to provide value to you. You know, all of those other things made that problem way bigger. Um, but the underlying problem is why should you hire me? You know, and, and in my business, I had to really try to understand, okay, what type of client am I perfect for? What type of event am I perfect for? Why am I perfect for it? Who should be hiring me? And then I have to let all the people who have access to something like that believe that I'm the solution to that problem. And that's what makes me the business that I'm And I, like I said, I'm still rebuilding my business. I'm still getting to that point, but I'm comfortable with it because I know who I'm right for. And I know when I lose a job to someone else, I'm like, yeah, I, that guy was brighter their problem like this guy does what they want and i really don't so i'm comfortable losing that business and i think a lot of photographers don't necessarily know what their value is or don't know how to express it so they blame money or they can and a client doesn't always tell you feel that you are perfect you know they could use money any number of things is the real excuse we don't always understand why we don't feel 
right about something. But I honestly think that as photographers, you know, we can't blame other photographers. We can't blame money. We have to really take all the responsibility for getting booked. It's all on our shoulders, and we have to really present a very specific value proposition of what we are right for, what we are going to do, what we are perfect for, as opposed to letting just sort of being a part of the sea of photographers out there. Yeah. So that's um, one of the things that's interesting about that for me is when I've started Musea um, and I've talked, had a couple of meetings with people of like, what's it like to seek an investor and what's that whole process look like and everything. And, you know, they, you, you basically have to get up in front of these people that have money on some level and you have to, uh, you get 15 minutes essentially to kind of pitch um, your company or your idea. And the number one thing is usually that they talk about there is what problem are you solving and how are you going to solve it? Yeah. And that's exactly what they want to know right then. And if you cannot tell them, even within like 60 seconds, then they're probably not going to be interested. Um, and I, I think as photographers, you know, the industry has been kind of a, a given thing, but we're entering into such a new phase with all these images that, you know, we, we need to kind of redefine what the problem is uh, that we're solving for, for people that they actually see a benefit of that, I guess, is what, essentially kind of what you're saying. Is that right? So when I got started in the business was sort of a lot of photographers are still talking about how do we go digital? You know, I, I was sort of like right on the edge of that. And a lot of photographers sucked. You know, I mean, there's sort of this old school mentality or people were still learning or there just wasn't a lot of like knowledge about how to make a, a good a sellable photograph. So at the beginning, it was all about like, look, if your photographs were good enough and you and you didn't screw up the customer service or the business, you know, you could make a lot of mistakes. It was you were basically selling on photography and that was OK for a couple of years. And what we ended up finding was there were people who were coming in who didn't know the first thing about business, but their photographs were amazing. And, you know, if you look out there, if you go on to any photographer's forum or anywhere that photographers are getting together, people are great at photography or they're plenty good enough at making just enough images that they can show that make them look good, even if the majority of it is crap. I mean, all that a client's going to see is going to look good. So we've crossed the line into where, like, finding good photography is simply not a problem these days for a client. The problem is I see... 20 photographers whose work I like, I like all of them. And to you, you may see as a photographer huge differences between those photographers, but that client really doesn't. They just see a bunch of stuff they like. Now they have the problem in, okay, I like too many people. How the hell am I going to pick? And if it's all about your images, you've got a problem because the client just sees, okay, I like these images. Now what? You know? And I think for us as business owners and as professionals, we have to, we have to help them answer now what? You know? Okay, they like your photography. Now what do you have to offer? You know, photography just gets you in the door. Then there's a huge set of, you know, things that you have to satisfy for them to actually get hired. Um, just having great photography is sort of like it just barely gets you on the table. It doesn't necessarily like, you know, a client can walk away from their favorite photographer if they don't feel comfortable about, you know, all the other things that are on their mind about that job. So having great photography just isn't, unfortunately for a lot of people, it just isn't really the story anymore. It's sort of a given. You shouldn't be in business if you don't have good photography. Now you have good photography. Now what do you have to offer? And I think that's where photography has really got to shift and go to because we're all good now or we can get good fast. Yeah. I would think, you know, and it, I know one of the books you read and we read 
and I've read that uh, we've talked about a little bit was um, the book Different by Young May Moon. And um, right like in the very beginning of that book, she talks about how, you know, to consumers, you know, we look at cereal aisle and it's all the same. It's just a big blur. And so brides typically, you know, if we could put ourselves in the bride shoes or whatever, our clients typically, they're going to see a big blur unless they're just image connoisseurs, which most people aren't as much as maybe they think they are. And, you know, so it's like how do, you know, if everybody looks the same, then obviously they're probably just going to take the cheapest. So how do we create value on top of that? Or how do we even stand out? Yeah, I've got into so many meetings. Like, I'm in a position where I'm referred usually by a coordinator. So I know the other people that they're looking at. And I and I can look at these other photographers. I've gone, like, head-to-head against a photographer whose work I think looks nothing like mine. And I'm like, to the client, they're like, hey, I like both of you. And, and, you know, as a photographer, I'm like, how could you possibly like us and them? Like, they're good. We're good. But, like, we're totally different. But to them, they just see, like, I like those photographs. I like these photographs. Like, it just isn't – for a lot of clients, not for all of them, obviously, but for a lot of clients, it's not about just – you know, I, I think as photographers, I mean, I'm sure you've had this experience. I've had a client comes in and they love your photography and they rave and rave about it. And then they go hire somebody else. Like mm-hmm. it's not, a, it's just like, I will, what I've always believed is that like a client can walk away from their favorite photographer. If that favorite photographer hasn't adequately addressed the thing that they're the most afraid of, you know, as a wedding photographer, we deal with the fact that clients are afraid of certain things happening. And it may not be that their pictures aren't going to look the way they want. It may be that they're, you know, their their mom is going to be uncomfortable or that there's going to be family difficulty or that they're going to feel uncomfortable with something that happens or they're going to feel self-conscious. Like if we're not under addressing the underlying needs that surround why they're getting pictures or why they're throwing this event, we could lose the job. You know, that's the reality is they're going to make a decision based on what they're afraid of, not based on who their favorite photographer is. So even though photography is what got us into this and what got us excited and what we sort of hang out, we put on our flag, it's not necessarily how they're making their decision about who they're hiring. It's just your photography sort of gets you in the game and then you have to start managing this whole set of client-based psychology and emotions that because that's what they're using to make their decision about how you get hired. So you know that I think that's a big kind of barometer for photographers. If you're not comfortable with that idea, then being sort of running the business and going out and getting work may not be something that you're happy with because it isn't all about photography, not by a long shot. Yeah. I want to pivot from this conversation to I think what's relevant, but it's a little more detailed, and I think it ties in nicely, which is kind of what your I guess is what your wife posted. She wrote a, a post a couple weeks ago. Um. And let me kind of just quote her uh, a little bit, if uh, if I may, and then we can have you kind of talk about that because uh, I'm, I'm sure you guys had conversations about this. But um, she says, uh, where does our style of photography, our personality types, our professional demeanor, our comfort level, our manner of speaking, our approach, and our belief and belief system, what part of the market is the closest to being a perfect fit for that? I strongly believe that the level of the market you work at does not equal the level of photographic skill and artistry you have. Instead of judging where you fit best in the marketplace against how great or terrible you think your photography is compared to everyone else's, it might be more helpful to think about what you care about most, what you believe, how you want to act and interact or not with your clients, how you look, how you wish to dress, how you want to be perceived by the clients that hire you, their family and their guests, and place yourself in the market based on that. So talk about that a little more. I think that there's this sort of misconception that we have as photographers. I have it. Let me 
say that, and maybe other people had it too, that you would start out, you know, you'll start out being a wedding photographer, you'll charge like a thousand bucks, and you'll charge two thousand, and someday I'm going to be a ten thousand dollar photographer, you know, just like that you'll ever be moving upward, and there's sort of this piece of advice out there that you're always raising prices and blah, blah, blah. And so I think that there's this perception that price raising is an inevitability, and if we all stay in business long enough, we will all be sort of this quote unquote mythical high end photographer. And I think the reality of that is that if you look at businesses all over the world, like McDonald's isn't eventually going to be Ruth's Chris, isn't going to be, you know what I mean? It's like we don't, sometimes we just have a value. And your sort of value, once you really figure out what your core value is, it probably shouldn't change a whole lot over the lifetime of your business. Like that core value should probably be pretty similar. So your business is sort of naturally built to service a particular type of thing. And what we found was that like, you know, there's this sort of whole fearless photography movement that I'll go anywhere and jump on anything and get filthy and crawl on the ground and do all these things to get any sh- to get the shot. It's all that matters. I'm like, God, I'm not that photographer at all. Like, I don't, I would never do a lot of those things. Like, the list of things that I wouldn't do to get a photograph is a lot longer than the list of things I would do. Like, for me, there was an idea of like, you know, I'm really there at a wedding to be respectful. Really not there to do anything to get this particular type of shot and, and having that kind of opinion and having this sort of a want to sort of be a little bit more removed and sort of remove myself from photographs to not have a representation of me as an artist, but of the people that I'm photographing, we just kind of found that our business naturally fit a certain type of client who wants a certain type of approach, wants a certain type of respect, wants it to be handled in a certain way. And that's how we built our business. You know, there was a time when I felt like I had to be the bridal party's best friend and I had to be the life of the party and I had to be a personality. And I booked clients that wanted that and I could do it, but I made me so socially uncomfortable and it just, we, we were so miserable and drained because we're just not like social animals. We don't crave that kind of interaction. I have friends who are wonderful, amazing, fun people and that's who they're there for. Like they, they kill in that I didn't fill in that market, or I did okay, but I was miserable. And now I have friends who kill in that market who probably would hate working the weddings that I work. I think my clients are all uptight, stuffy assholes. I think they're wonderful people because they just don't want the same things. Like they want what I want. And that's, I think, what when you know your core brand is being communicated and your, and your business is working well, is like the way that you want to work and the way that you want to do things and the way you think things should be done is being communicated. And you have clients who are like, that's exactly what I want from me. Um, so every business, like I take the flack for saying that like we, we work high weddings and it's not an arrogant thing. It's just like, look, we work a certain type of wedding because I just feel very comfortable with that client. And that client is looking for somebody who provides the type of, handling that we provide it's not really the quality of my photographs it's really more about like i know how to work with you know the father of the bride owns his own business that is used to being treated like you know the lord of the manor his whole life he's used to hiring professionals to do things for him but he's used to being treated in a certain way I'm very comfortable handling like that guy you know I'm very it's easy for me to work with him and i'm not i wasn't raised like that guy i just i know how to run my business to make him happy and that's why those clients tend to hire me. I just know how to work with them. And we're very comfortable working with them in a way that a lot of photographers would view that client as a red flag client. Um, you have to figure out what you believe and how something should be done and why you believe it should be done that way. And then when you communicate that, you'll find that you've, you will find the piece of the market that you fit in. And that's really what we try to help people understand. It's like if you want to – and I think when I started shooting quote unquote high end weddings, I think a lot of photographers were represent felt they had to represent themselves as artists to be at that high level. And what we found is a lot of those clients were like, I don't want somebody who's egotistical and wants me to do things their way. I want somebody who is very high level professional and 
will handle themselves in this way, and that's who I'm going to hire. And so we figured, oh, well, that's great because that's the way we want to work. And there's – so it's not who's better or who's worse photographically speaking. It's just about what core value are you really there to execute on and who wants that. And then how do you have to represent yourself and present yourself and price yourself so that that person believes your story, you know, so that you feel aligned with that person. And so – I think a lot of times photographers think of themselves hierarchically. They think, okay, I'm worse than this person, but I'm better than that person. I'll price myself in the middle of them, and I'm right. And that's, you know, photography, the market of photography isn't a hierarchy. It should be a bunch of silence that we all exist in. And there should be a client should be able to look at the market and be like, that is perfect for me. And whatever they charge and whatever they do, that's what I have to pay, and that's what I have to do because to get what I want. And unfortunately, the reality is, sort of view ourselves on a hierarchy and we place ourselves in it and then we support that hierarchy which isn't doing any of us any favors and i think in reality we need to sort of stop thinking like that and start thinking about purpose and specificity and really creating you know a thing around ourselves that communicates exactly what we do and why why it's right and then letting the right people come to us from that as opposed to trying to slot into that hierarchy in some way yeah i love I love, I love that. <laughs> um, I love that you just took the whole, like, I'm going to climb the photography ladder price-wise, and you just, like, it's junk, you know? Um, and it makes, because I have done that. I, when I started shooting in 2002, you know, and I hit burnout in 2009, my prices increased as I went, but I probably became more miserable yeah. as I went and I just felt like well that's what I'm supposed to do like I'm getting better photographically so if I'm my skill is getting better I should be able to charge more but as you do that I started working with people that maybe didn't appreciate you know or didn't want the type of fi pictures that I was capable of doing and so it actually kind of squashed my creativity the higher I went actually instead of making a bloom you know I've, I found the people that really want to like unleash my creativity was maybe the people that book me at like 3000 versus people that book at like 6000. They tend to want something a lot safer. And again, we're talking generalization. So I don't want anybody to get hurt when we talk about. Yeah, something. no, I have this set of friends who run this amazing, like sort of very middle market business and they shoot a ton of weddings, like kind of like young middle market clients and they love them and they keep saying like, oh, we need to make more money every year. And I'm like, you know, at a certain point, your business just isn't going to make more money. And if you keep pushing it to make money, you're going to make all the stuff that you've built and the fact that everything works together with who you are and how you work and who's likes you right now, you're going to screw it up if you raise the price too high because you're going to pull yourself out. Of, you're going to make yourself less accessible to these people who are perfect for you. Mm -hmm. The idea that our businesses always need to make more money is sort of like, you know, there's there's sort of like a top level. And, and you can make a lot of – you can make a relatively large sum of money doing a certain amount of work and then making more money becomes increasingly harder. And like every dollar you're – it's costing more and you're working harder for. So there's sort of a sweet spot for most businesses and particularly with our kind of businesses where they're very small relative to the the workload and the, and the amount of people involved in them. There's probably a ceiling. There's probably a happy ceiling and going above that happy ceiling is going to get exponentially harder the higher up you want to go. So there's – I think – Photographers, they should know that there's a sweet spot and you can hit it and you don't necessarily have to move from it. You know, like I think a lot of times when you find your sweet spot, move when you when you have to or when you 
find that like, oh, I really don't want to shoot 40 weddings a year anymore. Now I want to shoot 20 weddings a year. Okay, then that necessitates a big shift in your business. Instead of forcing those shifts, wait till your life motivates those shifts and then make them. Instead of just assuming, oh, I have to push my business up and up and up. Like I hit burnout when I just decided I have to keep pushing my middle market business upward and upward and upward. And eventually I hated it. I got miserable. Then it was like, oh, I don't need to do that. I just need to find where I fit and then do this number. Yeah. And understand that I don't gross as much money, but I might be way happier and my clients might be way happier. And there's, you know, and, I, and it's sort of like, okay, well, am I comfortable grossing this amount instead of that amount? Yeah, okay, now this works. You know, there's the ever making more money idea. There's sort of, there's a limit to how much we can do and, and be comfortable with that. And we need to, you know, maximize that. But just the hierarchy's got to go. Like the hierarchy is bullshit to me. Yeah. No, I agree. Lot. Yeah, I love the idea of like, uh, you know, being a restaurant and you're just that's your pricing and that's just how it is and you're not you're not trying to evolve into like a higher end restaurant or whatever i think that's yeah i i think that for a lot of businesses you know if you look at businesses that you that you love they kind of are what they are and they don't necessarily jump markets so like if you have like and i think one of the only people that did that was like target kind of saw themselves in the middle of like sort of like you know all those little sort of drugstore pharmacies and they decided okay well there's a there's a place for us to be like above walmart but not quite super high end department store and they sort of took that position but they took it over time but i think most businesses don't necessarily make large jumps so like tj maxx isn't eventually going to be neiman marcus and neiman marcus didn't start where tj maxx was and build up to being a high level so as a business owner you really have to understand what's your value who do you want to work with where what does your business want to be and then start being it as opposed to thinking that you should start you know 20 levels below that and somehow work up to it like it doesn't really you're not building brand value by building up to something. You build brand value by executing on that value and then continuing to figure out new and better ways to execute on that value as opposed to just thinking that you're just going to elevate price and just move upward. Like the hierarchy idea just kind of – we're sort of taught that in school, but the real world doesn't really work like that. Yeah. So as business owners, you sort of need to pitch that idea out and figure out like, okay, if this is what I believe should be done, how can I execute on that right now? And then a year from now, you'll be able to execute on that in new ways, and you'll be able to execute on that 10 years from now in even newer and better ways. But, like, how can you execute on it now, you know, as opposed to how do we start low and build up? Like, I just don't really feel like that's the way most things work. Yeah, totally agree. And I love it. It creates um, – it takes the stress off in a way. Uh, it just allows you to kind of be who you want to be, and then you're just – there and you just work it you just keep right. working it better every year you improve the system but your goal isn't to change markets it's just to work your current system better wrapping up i know you've got a wealth of um resources and things but other than your workshop um what are some maybe like good or like good books or something that people can read that have kind of influenced maybe the way you you know you kind of think now Probably the best book I've ever read on that subject. So oh. different moon is is awesome. It's just a fabulous sort of realignment of your thinking about what you what you do and why you do it. Um, I think that there's another book which I love, which everyone else hates, um, and it's very dense and difficult to read. But there's a book called The Luxury Strategy, which taught me an enormous amount about why people buy things that are more expensive than other things. You know, and as photographers, like somebody will always do what we do for free. 
So we are presenting some kind of luxury service, whether you like it or not. So understanding the buying methodologies behind why people want to spend more than they have to um, has been invaluable for me. So The Luxury Strategy is another book that I love. And I think um, to be to sort of execute on my negative uh, brand, because people think I'm a big jerk, or <laughs> I think that one of the books that got big in our business was The E-Myth a few years ago. And I'm, I'm starting to really hate the influence that that book has had. Mm. So I, I think it's great about like system be, becoming systematic, but I think it's sort of sold photographers this idea that you're just going to be able to outsource things and just, you know, your business will operate without you. And I'm, I'm starting to think that maybe that philosophy is sort of taking the value out of it and really reducing things to a set of systems as opposed to a set of values. So that's like, I'm not necessarily going to demote that as a bad book, but I think that there's some other, I think that we need to be a little bit more value focused. So there's, um, that's going to go on my, questionable list there's another book called rework which i love um yeah, haven't read that one but i've heard of it pretty great about just kind of deconstructing what works in business or just some of those kind of standard operating what he accepts but maybe aren't doing us any favors i'm trying to think of yeah i think those are good we don't give too many people like a crazy long list <laughs> cool well Thanks so much, Todd. That was uh, really great, and it, it kind of actually went some places I wasn't planning on going, but I think that it was actually better. And so, yeah, I, I appreciate your insight and your courage to throw your opinions and voice out in the industry right now. I think we need more people that do that and kind of are brave enough to, you know, say, "Hey, I don't. Maybe this isn't the best thing for us," or "Hey, maybe we should think of things this way since it is a business and sometimes it gets." maybe too, too art focused, um, which, which isn't bad, but if you're going to run a business, you need to know how to do it and do it well. So I thank you for helping people do that. And, um, you know, your voice. The one thing I want people to know is even if you love the art and the creativity, which I totally respect, I think that we should never, um, be ashamed of the fact that a lot of times what we do is a job or a service. And I think we should never be ashamed of that. You know, I think that a lot of times we, photographers don't want to admit that they're service providers to people. And I think that we should get over that and understand that, Hey, part of, providing a service and let's figure out how can we, we be amazing and creative and do awesome at that instead of just being like artists who get to do what we want to do and don't care you know what i mean i think that there's yeah. a for us to uh, sort of open up a dialogue about shame and being a service provider and, and really being creative and amazing at that just as you are with your photographers with everything else so i think that um i think that that's a real opportunity as yeah. opposed to sort of a negative thing i agree i agree Cool, man. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. I want to let everybody know um, if you guys like the type of stuff that we're talking about and you want to see more of this sort of like positive talk, the, uh, getting the mosaic gathering, getting the um, just the crowdfunding thing, get the ball rolling. Like, you know, if you love this kind of stuff, you want to see more advancement and improvement, sort of better ideas, like make a commitment today, like throw some cash on the pile, find something that fits, or just find anything. And like, if it's 25 bucks, it's 100 bucks, if it's coming to the day, just like commit now, like do something. And I uh, really help get the ball rolling, get the momentum going. We would love to um, get everything off the ground and see this continue and go on. So if you're if you like the kind of stuff that we're talking about, you want to see more of this in the industry, then this is a great way to um, put your money where your mouth is and help get something off the ground. So I would encourage everybody to jump on it today. Awesome, amen. <laughs> I love it. Cool, man. All right, thank you. <laughs>